What's up, everybody? It is the Air It Out Podcast. My name is Avery Collins. I am your host, and I am joined by two of the greatest analysts in the world. Number one, Christopher Thomas, and number two, our CEO, Jerome Jones. Yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is the championship weekend in the NFL. And of course, we're going to go ahead and talk about that. But but first, but first, we must talk about the divisional round. And with that being said, I would like to formally introduce a new segment to the Aired Out podcast that we are dubbing My Bad. And the way this works so we're going to pick something from the previous podcast. It could be from week one's podcast. It could be from mid-season podcast. It could be from the previous podcast the week before. However, it is just something that you completely missed the mark on that you have to say, my bad, I erred, and I got to take it back. And then explain yourself. So we're going to start with, None other than the CEO, because his my bad was pretty atrocious. <laughs> so, Mr. Jerome, please state your my bad. Considering the segment started because of me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to firmly say my bad. Um, Chargers, man. Whew, man, it wasn't even close, man. I <laughs> could have at least had it close for me. Last week, I said that the Chargers was on their way to the Super Bowl after beating the Ravens. I said they was going to beat the Patriots this weekend. By double digits. Oh, yeah, by double digits. <laughs> I said like 11, I was thinking like 10 or 11, 12-ish. But, yeah, my bad. Um, that that wasn't even close, dude. <laughs> that was embarrassing. I'm watching that game. I'm like, I could at least keep it close for me. Like, if it was a close loss, then I'd be like, all right, you know, I'll have to say my bad from it. But... Man. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty rough. That was really rough. That was pretty my bad, guys. <laughs> and he also has to say my bad for picking the Eagles to beat the Saints. Now, Chris, your turn. Um, this happened a few months ago. I predicted it was going to be the Rams versus Jaguars in the Super Bowl, and Jacksonville more than let me down on that one. Thanks, <laughs> thank you a lot, Blake Bortles. I really hope you get replaced by anybody. Yeah, they could have at least made the playoffs for you. Yikes. Yeah, <laughs> pretty bad. They could at least go to five hundred for me, but yeah. <laughs> that's pretty tough. Now I don't have a my bad because I'm I'm right all the time. So, uh, with that being said, Julio Jones, uh-huh. you know, uh, yeah, Julio Jones uh, led the league in receiving yards, and uh, so we'll go ahead and go with that. Anyway, um, the next thing, speaking of the the Jaguars here, it kind of leads into the next topic I'm going to talk about. So. You guys, your Eagles, your quarterback, your backup quarterback, Nick Foles, has come out and stated that he wants to be a starter in the NFL. He doesn't want to be a backup no longer. He he knows his worth, and he wants to get paid. He wants to get paid upwards of $20 million. And the Eagles are not going to pay him that much money to be a backup, and Doug Peterson has already come out and stated that moving forward, Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback of the future. So, with that All things considered, let's talk about Nick Foles and what are some potential landing spots do you guys think that he can end up in, whether it be a team like the Jaguars or something like that? Uh, We'll go ahead and start with you, Chris. Where do you think Nick Foles ends up next year? 
Well, Jacksonville wouldn't make the most sense. They are already a Super Bowl caliber team. Their defense is primed and ready to win now. They ended up still being top five, but just that offense just couldn't do anything. And when you add Nick Foles, a more than capable quarterback, more than Blake Bortles is, you come in with Leonard Fournette. You have a young wide receiver core in D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, uh, D.J. Shark. Then you're not talking about just possibly winning your division. You're also talking about potentially going back to the Super Bowl. And they just added John Filippo, the former offensive coordinator, two years ago for the Philadelphia Eagles. So Nick Foles does have some familiarity with him. And also last, and also this past season, he got fired before the end of the season with uh, Minnesota. Um, Jacksonville wouldn't make the most sense, but I'm just going to throw another bone out there. I'll be interested to see him in Cincinnati. If you cut Andy Dalton, you would save 16 mil on the books. They will have over $70 million in cap space going into this offseason. You got to think they were in the mix for the most part before Andy Dalton went down with injuries. Talk about adding Nick Foles. You add him to an offense with Joe Mixon. You add him to an offense with Tyler Boyd, a healthy A.J. Green, and Tyler Eifert can never stay on the field. C.J. Uzma. So you then you can use every bit of your draft capital and um, the rest of your cap to fix that defense, in which was bottom five in just about almost every other statistical category. Okay. Uh, I definitely did not see the Bengals curveball coming, but that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Jerome, where do you think are, what do you think are some potential landing spots for Nick Foles? So, yeah, I agree with uh, Chris with um, the Jaguars. That will be my number one spot just because they have such a good defense already. Um, and then Nick Foles going in there, he don't need to have a number one wide receiver necessarily, which they don't. He, he's really good with spreading the ball around. Um, and they got a really strong running game, so that would really benefit him going there. But I think that the Eagles will franchise tag him and then trade him. I think that's a possibility. Hmm. If Nick Foles don't agree to do that uh, option, which I don't think he will, the Eagles will probably try to get something from him, um, being that he's such a good quarterback. I don't think they want to just have him go on the street and just be a free agent and just do whatever he wants. But if that does happen, and I, I – Eagles fans are going to hate this, but I think if he goes where he wants to go, most likely he probably goes to the Giants to me. Honestly, they got the pieces there. They got Odell Beckham, the number one wide receiver. They have um, Ingram there. They got the running back they need. Um, offensive line is not that great, but they got Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator that he um, played with in Philly. So he got familiarity with him. They just need to re- revamp that defense. As w- and that's what I think the Giants want to do. I think they want to revamp that defense before getting a uh, drafting a quarterback. So I think that they want to go the free agency route right now. Either that or probably keep Eli Manning. I don't think that – I don't think they want to draft a quarterback at this point. I just think they want, like, a stable quarterback and, you know, build that defense. And that's really how the, the Giants kind of, you know, do their thing. So Okay. All right. All right. I, I definitely uh, – I see where both of you guys are coming from. I think we all are in agreement that – the marquee spot would be Jacksonville. It's a, uh, it's a team where they already have a very good defense in place. They have got a, a solid running game. You know what you're getting from uh, Leonard Fournette. You also have got a, a good backup who can catch the ball out the, out the backfield in T.J. Yeldon. And it's a good organization to be around at the moment. I also agree with Jerome as far as the Giants. I definitely think that they are they make a, a, some some sense as well. You know, if the if the Giants are looking to move on from Eli, you get still get your veteran quarterback because I think the team is still a little too young per se in order uh, to, to to try to draft a quarterback right now. And seeing as how um, the draft isn't QB heavy, 
this upcoming draft, you know, it will make sense to get a veteran quarterback, even if you're not looking for him to be the the guy, the franchise guy. He can he can definitely be a, a bridge quarterback, even if that bridge is about seven to nine years. Um, just because I think Nick Foles is that good of a quarterback to do that, to keep you guys afloat for that, especially with the pieces that you would have around him in New York. But one of the teams that kind of intrigues me a little bit, and it's all speculative, um, but I think that a team that would be interesting to see Nick Foles go to, again, staying in the division, is if Alex Smith, in fact, cannot come back from this injury, Nick Foles going to Washington. I think that that could be a, a strong possibility. Another team where their defense isn't terrible. I think there's still some pieces that need to uh, meld together. I think that having Haha Clinton Dix, I think that veteran safety presence, as well as Josh, a veteran corner, I think that right there, those are two good players, all pro players that that you can you can build around on that defense, and then offensively. You know, you get um, uh, Darius Geis coming back. So I think the running game is going to be strong. I think they lean heavily, heavily on it. Um, so it's a possibility that I, uh, Nick Foles could end up there as well. And um, I honestly think that would be another very prime uh, destination for him. Chris. And I got one more suggestion. And just letting you know, Eagles fans, if you're listening to, just hold off on the pitchforks and torches for this. What about New England? What if, let's just say hypothetically, Brady wins number six, and he decides to retire. That bridge is already good burn because Jimmy Garoppolo is already in San Fran. What better way for Belichick to, you know, get revenge and get the last laugh again than picking up Nick Foles to continue off where Tom Brady left off for, like, those next three to five years, and he just, like, grooms the next guy in for them to take on for the next 15 years. You're already – he's taking over a Super Bowl-caliber roster. The defense is still decent. Uh, we all know how Brady likes to keep everything in the draft with the offensive line. That offensive line is solid. You still have Gronkowski. You have Julian Edelman. Yeah. You got a you got a bell count now with Sonny Michelle and a great uh, receiving back of James White. I'm just saying, if Tom Brady's gone, then that could be a possibility that no one wants to talk about for obvious reasons, but it wouldn't make sense. And then a dark horse just to throw out there, just because we've seen stranger things happen. Um, what if John Gruden is not sold on Derek Carr? I think that it's a possibility that there could be some movement there. And I think I'm, we all know that John Gruden does love Nick Foles. We, uh, we've, we've witnessed, you know, his, his thoughts and his sentiments on him as well. So it's a possibility there as well. With that being said, let's move on to the next player that is kind of making some noise this offseason. We talked about him previously in, a, in another podcast, but Antonio Brown. Again. First, <laughs> first, Hall of Fame receiver, all-time leading receiver, Jerry Rice has stated that Antonio Brown and himself are very close, and Antonio Brown, quote, really wants to play for the 49ers. As well, Antonio Brown has removed off his Twitter account the fact that he's a Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, and it seems like there is clearly a rift between himself and the quarterback, and the organization. And it looks like there's going to be something that's going to, ha- that's going to happen, that's going to transpire. Um, what do you guys actually read into this? So my question is, do you guys feel that Antonio Brown will be a Pittsburgh Steeler next year, or do you feel he will be somewhere else? And Jerome, I'll start with you. I don't think he's going to be a Steeler. Just too much going on. Um, the owner already, like, kind of count him out for a training camp. He removing the team from his Twitter account. 
things like that. I, I just don't see it. If I was a Steelers, I'll try to you know mend mend that. But at this point, it's probably too late. It's probably over. Uh, they probably have to trade him. The thing about him going to San Fran, oh, why? Why would why would he want to go to San Fran? Like, who like? Well, you go, you're coming from Ben Roethlisberger to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, that's coming off an injury. Their backup, C.J. Bather, and the other guy, what's his name? Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, like who has risen his his his, his stock? No, no, and and again, he he's not a bad quarterback, but. Why would you like? I feel like at 30 years old, why would you want to go to a team that that's not going to go to the Super Bowl next year? Well, think about it this way, right? I understand what you're saying, but the 49ers are in the top 10 as far as cap space this coming off season, so they'll definitely be making moves and have the ability, the flexibility to make some very powerful moves. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got very good draft position as well, so they're not going to be out of it in that sense. Um, there's also talks about Le'Veon wanting to be in. San Francisco. So think think of it that way um, or in that aspect where let's say they get Le'Veon and then Antonio Brown. So now you solidify your run game. You add another dynamic receiver alongside of uh, Marquise Goodwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. So those three right there are obviously what you would probably end up building your offense around. And then defensively, Richard Sherman, though he had a quote-unquote down year, mm-hmm. he still was a top – 10 top 15 corners statistically this year. So he's not – the falloff wasn't as great as everyone made it seem. Their defense is still is in a rebuilding stage, but they're not so far off that they can't keep themselves in game. So it's a possibility. And then you just look at the division. Um, it's a it's a, it's a a possibility, but uh, – Hold on. But my thing is, like, all right, you, you talk about Le'Veon Bell, right? So you're going to put a lot of money into the running back position because they got uh, Jared McKinnon. So you're putting, like – Good, you pin a good amount of money into that running back position. Hmm. Then you have a Le'Veon's contract. Then you're gonna have Garoppolo's contract, and you have Sherman's contract. How how are you rebuilding? You lost your middle linebacker, your number one middle linebacker. Again, you're looking at you're looking McKinnon, at cap space. So like, McKinnon, McKinnon yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. gets released. Okay, if, to bring in Le'Veon Bell. That's that's number one. Number two, Garoppolo's already after under contract. After one year, you're gonna release him. Well, I mean, he tore his ACL. Would, so. Exactly. You, who would you rather have, Le'Veon Bell or McKinnon coming off an ACL? Or you can find a trade partner for McKinnon. Right. So that's number that's number one. Number two, you got Garoppolo who's already under contract. Okay. You've got, um, you know, like I said, uh, the the rest of the, the the guys on the on the offense basically are already under contract. The only contracts that you would have to dish out would be Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, and you can make a case that Antonio Brown would essentially make less because of the fact that he's a little bit older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Le'Veon Bell. He just got. Hold on, huh? Le'Veon Bell just got a. I mean, not. I'm sorry. Uh, Antonio Brown just got a new contract. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so, so okay. So you absorb, okay. So you absorb that contract. contract. Yeah. Absorb that contract, and you know, and like I said, because of the fact that they have cap cap space, they can do it. Would it make the most sense? Not really, but it could make sense if they're talking about, hey, it's not rebuilding as much as we thought. We want to win right now. Um, do that, and then, like I said, because they're in good draft position. They also can get, you know, a, a top-tier player coming out of the draft. Crazy. You also have to consider that they're in the NFC West. Um, the, exactly. The Cardinals aren't really in that's exactly that good enough position. You got to think, like, if they get enough pieces involved, they can get past Seattle. And then, at that point, it's just an arms race yep. between them and the Rams. Um, just imagine Jimmy Garoppolo coming back with Antonio Brown, Marquise Goodwin. Ooh. We're already seeing what you have in George Kittle, who broke the receiving yard Ooh. record. Gary Selleck also is a number two tight end. 
If Le'Veon does come in or you go another option for that, then that offense is set. They spent another first-round pick last year on McGlinchey as right tackle. He's eventually going to be the left tackle. And you still have a top-ten pick. Yeah. I Do you guys play Madden? <laughs> <laughs> no, well. <laughs> but listen, listen. listen. Anyway, All right, but, but I, I get the whole offensive thing. But what are you going to do for defense? Because their pass rushers are terrible. And that's where, we, that's where I came that's from, the saying. fact that you still have a lot of cap space and great draft position. Well, and that's a mention. I don't think Antonio Earl Brown, Thomas. I don't think Earl. I don't think um, you're gonna bring Earl Thomas in too. He was a big contract. I don't think Antonio Brown is gonna register for much. like a top ten pick. That's just my opinion. I think like probably like a like a future second or something like that. Um, and not to mention, you gotta talk about the top ten class. This is a huge draft for like defensive tackles and no, defensive end for yeah, pass rushers. And you're totally right about that. Yeah. And then think about this. Right. And I'll just talk about some homers. The Falcons have a lot of expendable players on defense right now. In my opinion, you've got um, Desmond Trufant, you've got the, the, the um, Oliver, you've got uh, Brian Poole, and you've got Robert Alford. Four corners right there where it's like, okay, so, and then you got DeMonte Casey, you got Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal. So there's a stable of defensive backs. I mean, DeMonte Casey was tied for the league league in interceptions this year. So, he can maybe be an expendable player because you would think that the Falcons are going to continue going with Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal on the back end. So, you know, 49ers can make a trade or, or something like that for, for for him or something. What's funny is I hear noise about Antonio Brown me coming in Falcon. I would be livid. I do not want to see that. At all. <laughs> well, the, the Falcons do need a number one wide receiver. Do, he's already complaining. Oh, I mean, he's already my. started complaining about Juju getting too many exactly. catches. Exactly. And he's not going to be the guy in in in, in that offense. So I, that's not happening. Um, yeah, I would. I'd be very. I'd very. I'd be very pissed only because I know he'd end up becoming a a cancer. So, Chris, where what are some potential landing spots that you got for Antonio Brown? Um. I think the big thing we talked about was potentially San Fran. If anybody's able, and you got to think because of offensively about how Kyle Shanahan schemes an offense, and he still managed to get like um, a really good season on Nick Mullins, it's be really interested to see that. Another potential landing spot, um, we talked about a few weeks ago, probably Indy. The Colts, Frank Wright, another great offensive mind. Also uh, uh, on the eye of Le'Veon Bell. Also on the eye of Le'Veon Bell, you already have a great offensive line. They're going to have a lot of cap space as well because really all you're doing is paying Andrew Luck. Then you'll have Antonio Brown. Then you have T.Y. Hilton. Eric O'Brien's having a breakout year. You're expecting for expect more of him. Who knows? Maybe Indy might be a, a really good landing spot for him as well. See, but that I makes think more if, sense to me. That makes more sense. Yeah, to me. but it you have to think like if you're the Steelers, why would you trade him within the conference? Okay. You wanted to trade him to an NFC, so you really don't have to deal with it like once every four years. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's but, why I think an NFC destination is more likely than just trading him. Than the AFC. Very true. Very true. So we're going to go ahead and move on, and we're going to talk about some reactions from the weekend, the divisional round of football. Um, my first question, and actually my only question in regards to the weekend, <laughs> what game stood out to you and why? And we'll, we'll go ahead and start with Chris. I think the game that stood out for me was the game that I was really interested in seeing was uh, the Colts and the Chiefs. I thought the game was going to be a big-time a big, big time shootout because of how the Chiefs' defense was probably one of the worst in the league and how the and Andrew Luck and the Colts were, like, surging. But the Chiefs' defense were the stars of the show. 
Then, I mean, obviously, we can talk about Patrick Mahomes and throwing for over 300 yards, throwing it across his body, um, the sidearm throws that he made, or Damian Williams' 129-yard performance. But the Chiefs' defense led the league in sacks. A lot of people forgot about that. And when you talk about their home and road splits in terms of points per game, it's almost a 16-point difference. They allow 18 points a game per home. That's why I have this weekend, I have the Chiefs beating the Patriots in the AFC title game. But um, Justin Houston was able to you know, wreak havoc in, in a very good offensive line for the Colts. Um, you have to think about um, Justin Houston as well, uh, Chris Jones. And the secondary was secondary did his job. I was really impressed well how Andy Reid was able to get those guys prepared. And a lot of people were preparing to come back. But as soon as I saw over-liable Anna miss that field goal, I'm like, yeah, this comeback isn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerome. Well, <laughs> you already know what, what, what game stood out to me. That Chargers game was terrible. <laughs> but I would say the game that stood out to me was the Eagles game because um, – and I'm not just saying Such it. a homer. I'm not saying this because I'm a homer. Um, I'm saying it because the way the Eagles started the game, it was crazy. Like, to get an interception on the f- first play of the game. Captain LeBarc. Then to go up 14 nothing. And we had the ball and driving down the field. You're like, oh, man, if the Eagles get this, like, the Saints are in trouble. Like, this is crazy. And then everything flipped around. And the field throws an interception. Then the Saints go for it on fourth down. Like, get, it, get it on a fake, fake punt. punt. Like, in Second tiring. favorite player in the league, Taysom Hill. I love Taysom Hill, too. <laughs> um, I hate the Saints. <laughs> and for us... For them to turn the game around and then have that 11-minute drive, like, Oof. bro, like, that game completely turned around. The Eagles had them on, like, third and long, like, three or four times. They converted each one of them. Yeah. It was crazy. And then to end the game on a non-catch interception, just trying to rush a play before two-minute warning, for that game to end, to, to end like that, I thought that, that was a really intriguing game. It was – the Eagles were still in it somehow – like, you look at the stats, you're like, how the Eagles were still in it? They're still in it. They could have still won a game, and then they didn't because they dropped a pass. So. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not upset with the play call. I'm not upset with the mindset. I am upset with the drop. I think that that was definitely – but, you know, nine times out of ten, Alshon catches that. So, and, you know, and it's I, only I, his third drop of the year. Yeah, you got to give him two totally, no, That's a hands totally, guy right there for totally sure. totally agree with that. I do question why try to get that last play in when you're trying to run as much clock out as possible. You're, I mean, because you, it's the Saints. And at the end of the day, you, you want to get points because of At be, the end of the day, you, want, the you don't want the Drew Brees to have the ball last yeah, also. But you still also got to get in the end zone. That's the As much as you don't want Drew Brees to get the ball back, you have to get in so the end zone. So you're telling me... The field goal is not going to win it, so, so you got to get in the end zone. You're telling me they didn't trust the offense, basically. Yes. Okay. Without question. Uh, I think the way Nick Foles played in that third quarter... Was definitely kind of a. After we was driving out that last play, though. Yeah, I'm just saying. Just look at look at the third quarter in in general. The way Nick Foles played, and then the fact that the Saints held the ball for so long, and then the fact that they only had they had 14 points in the fourth quarter, hadn't scored again since. And that's why you want to keep the ball away from the offense. And that's why you want to get the you want to score as soon as you want to if you're if you have momentum right now, score. We don't care. Because at the end of the day, the way the the rest of the game had transpired up until then, it's like we don't know if we're going to, one, get the opportunity in. Two, we don't know if we're going to score again because of the way the game transpired. We scored 14 points and hadn't scored since. 
Give me end zone. Well, just the Saints get there. dominated. You got the momentum. Get there. Well, you have to think the Saints dominated the time of possession. Fletcher Cox also yes. ended up getting hurt. Michael Bennett was also banged up. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, Nigel Bradham was also banged up as well. Avanti Maddox left the game. Rasul Douglas left the game. And you had to put Sadie Hawkins at corner. I'm, yeah. Josh Hawkins. Josh Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. Josh Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. Everybody, everybody was like, who's this Hawkins guy? No, like, that's what I realized. It's like that that Eagles defense was banged up. And then we had oh, to yeah. think about that entire rough. second half, that 11-minute drive. And so and, get in the end zone. Yeah. Just no, get in the end zone. Like, like, and also, they don't have the same mistake last week where you left too much time on the clock and you leave it for Will Lutz in, inside a dome, a weather-controlled climate, for them to kick the game. And I understand that, but at the same time, the way the game transpired where you were not – you did not score again. You scored 14 points early, did not score again. So at this point, in my mind, as an offensive coordinator, I'm like, you know what? We got to get in the end zone because at the end of the day, we need a touch. We, a field goal is not going to – we need a touchdown anyway. Get in the end zone. So you're you're trusting the defense more than not. Without question. Okay. Without question. After I would, what I would, Chris just told you, all this injuries. Yes, I would, you I lost would your still, best defensive I would player. Still, I would yeah. still trust the defense just because – at the end of the day, and they gave up three long, third and longs. I would trust to the same the, guy to I'm, the same route. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I would trust the defense more than I would trust the offense to get in the end zone. Because okay. the defense held them to uh, what two touchdowns and two field goals. The defense did their job. I, to me, the Saints scoring 20 points, you expect to win that game. But, but on, so the, sur- on me, the surface, the 20 points still doesn't look bad. But in the context of that. You're giving up 11, 11 minutes rise every oh, single yeah, time that the that's, Saints that's got rough. a penalty. Yeah, that's they, they, got the, they got the chunk of your earth back. That's definitely my... rough, but that's not a giving. The Saints don't do 11 minute drives every single time. That's not. That's a one off. So I would I would take my chances with the defense. Um, I think because also the pressure situation, we know how defenders get. We want we live for those moments. So um, you yeah, know, I think I think I think the Eagles would have made a play on defense to to get that to get it done, but. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on to predictions for this week. Um, Chris, I'm going to start with you only because you already made a prediction. You feel like the Chiefs are actually going to beat the Patriots and Arrowhead this weekend. Yeah. So um, let me get a score from that game for you. 31-24. 31-24, Chiefs. Um, let's go with the next game, uh, Rams and Saints. It was really hard for me to pick this game because – I'm just going to, as much as I don't want the Saints to win, I, it's hard for me to pick Drew Brees at home in the Superdome. So I'm going to go ahead and say 38-28 Saints. 38-28 Saints. So we've got a Saints and Chiefs Super Bowl for Chris. And Jerome, let's start with uh, the AFC Patriots versus Chiefs. Who you got? I got the Chiefs 28-25. 28-25 Chiefs. And who you got uh, coming out of the NFC, Saints and Rams? I'm going to go Saints as well. I'm going to go – I think this one will be a little bit more higher score than the uh, Chiefs and the Patriots. So, I'm going to say 34-31. 34-31. Two close games. Two close games. Essentially. Um, I'm actually going to go with – the Chiefs as well. I think it's going to be a very close game, and I'm going to go 21-17 Chiefs. And I think that it's going to be the Rams this time. I think that they're they're rolling hot right now, and I, I just think that it's it, it's 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 about time uh, for them to 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 get back to where they're going. Though 
This has been a very, very special year for the Saints. So um, I think that's also going to be a, tw- a very, 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 very close game. I'm going to go 31-30 uh, Rams in a very close nail-biter, barn burner type game. Uh, but I think the Rams end up pulling it out. So we'll do 10 minutes it takes, and we'll do it really quickly. Um, we won't do too many. We'll just do a couple. The first one. Aaron Donald will have three sacks at least this this week versus the Saints. We've got both disagreements. All right. Why do you disagree, Chris? I think blocking scene-wise, you're not going to see Aaron Donald probably get to Drew Brees a lot. And even with the loss of Austin Peay in the offensive line, 70% of the double teams are probably going to go to Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald's going to get to him once, and then after that, they're going to adjust the blocking scheme, and Drew Brees is going to get the ball way too quickly out to Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara on the flat, Mark Ingram, um, Christian Kirkwood. He's just going to be delivering that ball way too quickly for Aaron Donald to get back there in time. All right, all right, Andrew Jerome. I totally agree with what um, Christian said. Um, the Saints' offensive line is good. Even uh, a couple of their backups are really good backups to defend um, Aaron Donald. Like he said, just Breeze getting the ball out really quick and um, getting three sacks in the game is really hard. So I'm going to say no. Okay. All right. So now, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes throws more touchdowns this weekend than Tom Brady. Everybody's in agreement there. Okay, all right. Sonny Michelle has zero rushing touchdowns against the Chiefs. Jerome, you disagree? Yes, I think he'll get at least one. Okay, all right. So, now I know we already got the score, so, you know, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you guys, though. So, first, the Patriots and the Chiefs will combine for more than 80 points like they did the last time they played. Both in disagreement. Jerome, why? Yeah, I already, picked, I already gave you my uh, score. I think it's going to be uh, um, probably like around like 40, 45 points. Um, I think that it's going to be a more of a defensive game this time. Two teams to go back and forth with uh, points like that. I think both uh, coaches, staffs will, you know, tightening it up a little bit. And um, I think it's going to be a quarter game as well. So it's going to be a lot more running as well. So a lot, a lot less points. It's going to be eight degrees, and it's going to feel like negative one by the time the game starts. It's going to be a lot more running. It's going to be a lot more physical, exactly. grinded out game. So I don't see it being a high-scoring game. I can see that as well, and I believe that Bill Belichick is the master of taking away what you did the last time to be successful. Exactly. So I think that it is um, a situation where um, it's going to be a low-scoring game, but just in case, you know, you never, you never know. And so the last one... We've got three of the highest-scoring offenses playing in the championship games this weekend uh, for coming out of this uh, out of this year. I believe it's the top three uh, scoring offenses in the league this year. So my question is, this will be the highest-scoring championship weekend in NFL history. I believe we got everybody in agreement here. Wow, okay, all right. So well, it's because it's hard for me to – like, go yeah. back and really think, like, what <laughs> other high score conference game weekend was there? Yeah, I just don't know the history. Okay. Like, if I knew the history, uh, do your history, folks. That's all the time we got today <laughs> for the Air It Out podcast for Christopher Thomas and Jerome Jones. I am Avery Collins. We appreciate you guys listening in. Listen, do us a favor. Go to www.insidethehashes.com. Check out all the podcasts. Check out all the interviews. And yes, people, we now have a blog. Check out the blog. See what the analysts are saying. See what they think about this coming weekend. 
in and see if they got some picks coming up for you and see if you agree with them. Also, please follow us on Facebook at the Inside the Hashes Football Talk. Follow us on Instagram at Inside the Hashes and follow us on Twitter at Inside Hashes. Avery Collins over and out. Peace.